Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy New Year and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about some amazing true stories of people leaning towards heaven with faith, hope, and love from their latest Chicken Soup for the Soul, Messages from Heaven, and Other Miracles. The book is a collection of 101 stories of angels, answered prayers, and love that doesn't die. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Happy 2019. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be starting off the year talking to you. And today is the day that our new book comes out, our first book for 2019. So I'm very excited about that. I'm already pretty sure it's going to be a bestseller. Fantastic. It is a pleasure to have you on here with me. I am excited of kicking off the new year with some inspiring stories from Messages from Heaven and Other Miracles. The book is really moving, and I really like it, and I'm very sure people will resonate with all the stories in the book. Yeah, I mean, everybody has suffered loss, and everybody is looking for hope and comfort Mm -hmm. and some kind of feeling that they have a continuing connection with the people they've lost. And so we thought that starting off 2019 with a book that acknowledges loss, but also really puts hope you know, in front of people, I, we thought that would be a nice way to start the year. And <laughs> also it's, it's winter, it's dark, it's sad. You know, This is the time when we need this book that has a beautiful spring scene with a rainbow and a blue sky and puffy white clouds and 101 stories of angels and answered prayers and love that doesn't die and all of these things that give people comfort and solace as they're, you know, missing people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You guys have tons of submissions for the book, correct? And so what was the favorite part of putting the book together? Well, we, I don't know how many thousands we got for this one. We usually get five or 6,000 submissions for each topic. Mm -hmm. And a topic like this, which is so popular, I'm sure we were at the upper end of that range. And so I don't get to do the thing I used to do, which is actually read the stories that have been submitted, you know, up Mm -hmm. front. Um, I have a whole team now that reads the stories because when you're getting five or 6,000 submissions, you just can't have one person do it. So we have a team of editors who read everything, and then they present me with several hundred semifinalists to read, Mm -hmm. and that is so much fun. So I I sat in my house and I read all of these submissions (laughs) And then I painfully, you know, narrowed it down to 101 because you hate to say no to somebody, but sometimes you get more than one story on the same topic and you just have to pick one and not the other. And then what I do is I usually start figuring out the chapters, which is really fun. And I often will tweet a picture of the piles of stories laid out on my dining room table or my kitchen table, <laughs> you know, in like piles of 10 stories, making 10 uh-huh. chapters. And I'll I'll spend hours with post-it notes, you know, coming up with chapter ideas and moving stories around until I have the chapters for the book. And then I have to put them in the right order to get the right story flow throughout mm-hmm. the book. So that's really fun. And then my second favorite part, sitting down and editing the stories and just making them as great as possible because Mm -hmm. everybody needs an editor. I mean, we all, I get edited by other people. We all need an editor. And so I go through the stories and I'll take out the parts that don't really add to the central theme or I'll Mm -hmm. write a new conclusion because I realize, Oh, the person really meant to say such and such. And so that's a really fun part (laughs) of it also is making these stories terrific. I imagine as you read the various stories, of course, this one is a little bit more spiritual in a way, right? 
So do you feel like you go through a sort of internal transformation in a way? Well, it is pretty amazing to read all of these stories because even though you could chalk up some of these experiences, some of these mm-hmm. signs from beyond to coincidence, even if you do that, the coincidences are unbelievable. And sometimes you can't even really claim that something was just a coincidence. You right. just are flabbergasted by how did this thing happen? And so it does open your eyes to the fact that really great things can happen to people. Mm-hmm. And we just have to sit back and accept that these great things can happen and keep our eyes open in our own lives for those wonderful things to happen. So it does make me more aware of that and more mm-hmm. optimistic and open to the possibility of these wonderful things happening. And that's, that gets back to hope, which right. is what I you know talked about before. And I've, I can't even tell you how many times people have said to me, what I really need is hope. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we deliver mm-hmm. to them in all of our Chicken Soup for the Soul books and especially a topic like this, Messages from Heaven and Other Miracles. (laughs) Wonderful. One of the things I really like about the book is the beautiful picture that starts off every chapter. What is it supposed to convey? So that's a young woman, and she's looking out a window in a contemplative manner, and she's bathed in sunlight. And I just thought that that, picture reproduced in you know gray tones mm-hmm. in our book just conveyed whatever the reader needs it to convey so it could be a young woman who you know is at the funeral for somebody she loved it could be a young woman a year later thinking about that person it could be a young woman who's happy and who's looking out the window at something fabulous that's happening outside in that sunlight it's really something where you can put yourself in her place and apply mm-hmm. it to whatever stage you are in in your own life. And it's it's calm, right? It's a serene photo, right. and there's something very uplifting about it. So I was very happy when we found that photo. I agree with that, because it does come across as, depending on what your mood is, there's something special coming up for me, or I'm so glad with gratitude. It's a feeling of grace, in a way. Yeah, I mean, this book is really like hope you can hold in your hand. You know, mm. with these 101 stories, it's it's almost like a portable support group. It's all these people <laughs> who have been through these experiences, who have suffered losses, who have seen something miraculous happen, and they're all sharing these stories with the reader, and often they're sharing these stories for the first time. They've never told anyone else these stories, and they decide to tell the story for the first time, even to their families, in the pages of our book. So you have 101 really personal, revealing stories. And it's just like you're holding hope in your hand as you're reading the book, because whatever you're looking for, you can find it in these pages. And it's a great source of comfort for people. um, And it's a great source of encouragement for them also. I agree. One of the beautiful things about the stories, they are all pivotal moments, probably in our own lives in the sense that we can go through these pivotal moments ourselves at different times in our lives. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I do what I do. That's why I've been doing this chicken soup for the soul <laughs> job for 11 years. And, and you know, as somebody said, what would you do if you won the lottery? And I said, I'd be at work the next day. You know, <laughs> nothing would change. <laughs> Very true. Very, very interesting. So can you please share with us the various chapters covered in this wonderful book? Yeah. And yeah, this was that fun part of what I did making these chapters. So the first (laughs) one is called Saying Goodbye. And it's about that moment when somebody is leaving and, and Mm -hmm. some really amazing stories about what happened just as somebody was passing away. And then Chapter two is called Love That Doesn't Die, and it's about all those mysterious signs that people get from their loved ones who have passed away. And then chapter three is called Finding Faith, and it's people who were really demoralized and just didn't believe that anything good could happen in their lives. 
or they had lost their religious faith, and then they tell a story about something that happened that caused them to refind their faith. Chapter four is signs from above, and it's all these amazing stories about either you know spectacular coincidences or signs from beyond. However you want to interpret it as the reader is up to you. Mm-hmm. Chapter five is called Heavenly Reassurance. And this includes things like dreams where somebody will come to you in a dream and give you that reassurance that you need. Um, and you don't know if you somehow made it up in your head or if that person really did come to you, but it really works. Chapter six is called Answered Prayers. And it's, you know, those weird times when you were mm-hmm. asking for something and all of a sudden it happened. And then chapter seven is called Finding Peace, and that is signs or dreams or some stranger who comes up and says something to you that, you know, only your grandfather would have known. But it's stories about people finding peace with the loss of a loved one. And then chapter eight is called Heavenly Guidance, and it's these weird events where you know, an accident was avoided or somebody's life was mm-hmm. saved or, you know, an ill child was discovered because of something that happened while somebody was asleep. Um, and then chapter nine is called Angels Among Us. And it's people who were saved by a voice or, you know, the appearance of a stranger who then quickly disappeared who made a big impact on their lives and caused something good to happen. And then chapter 10 is a chapter of really weird coincidences that are really hard to explain and not necessarily from a loved one who has passed away, but just really awe-inspiring coincidences in Mm -hmm. general. And chapter 10 is called, How Did That Happen? It's just right there, how it happens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. These were the stories where I read them and I thought, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> Those stories went into chapter 10. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. In reading the various stories, the thing that I get it the most, I think it's just that as life is sort of a rhythmic flow in a way, and it doesn't matter how young old we are, and we go through the process and you beautifully walk us through the various chapters. What I like about it is that this is, again, as a reminder for everyone and for those who are chicken soup for the soul book lovers. I mean, you know, you can go to a specific chapter and pick out the stories that best connects with you. And then at a later time, come back to read a different story. Oh, yeah. In fact, we sell a lot lower percentage of our books as Mm e-books than other publishers. And it's because... And I mean, our ebooks are lovely, and all of the beautiful artwork right. is included in the ebooks. So the ebooks are actually a wonderful reading experience, but people don't try the ebooks. They keep buying the books in print. And I think it's because they want to be able to easily skip around. You know, mm-hmm, just pick mm-hmm. up the book and see what chap, what you know, what story you've turned to. Or they want to be able to, you know, fold down a page and go back and reread a favorite story, or they want to highlight something. And if you find our books in a used bookstore, you know, they look like they've been through a war because people <laughs> people do highlight them and dog ear the pages and everything. What I like about the physical book is that there's something to hold on to. You mentioned something about that earlier just now. It's something that you can have in your hand. Ebooks are great, but then in the end, you're holding your iPad or your Kindle reader and so forth. It's just not the same because the book sort of identifies itself as the book that I'm currently holding in my hand that I can resonate with. Yeah, a lot of people are going back to physical books, and actually, mm-hmm. that's been happening industry wide. There's been a turn away from ebooks, but I still love ebooks for travel. Or sure. if I'm heading into you know the city for the day and I don't want to carry a big book, so it's so nice to carry that lightweight Kindle instead. Right. So right. we're we're big fans of ebooks, but we don't care how people read our books. Ebooks or print <laughs> books, we're there for them. 
Wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about some amazing true stories of faith, hope, and love from the latest Chicken Soup for the Soul, Messages from Heaven and Other Miracles. It is a collection of 101 stories of angels, answered prayers, and love that doesn't die. Amy, let's dive into the various stories in the various chapters. Let's start out with chapter one. This is a wonderful story, and the chapter in itself, saying goodbye. The story is Love's Farewell by Linda Kinnaman. So Linda Kinnaman is a nurse, a registered nurse, who has spent decades as a nurse and worked in hospitals and also worked in hospice. So we have two stories from her in the book. And in this story, she was working in a hospital and she was caring for a young woman who was dying of lung cancer. And she called the young woman's husband one night and said, it's time to come because I'm having trouble, you know, even finding a pulse. Like she's she's very close to the end. So the husband came And, you know, the rest of the adult family members came. The two little kids stayed at home. And Linda was sure that this woman, Julie, was going to die that night because she couldn't find a pulse. And then she was was holding Julie's hand and just about ready to tell the family that it was over. And then all of a sudden, Julie gave this big gasp and came back and opened her eyes. And she was back, and Linda couldn't believe it. But anyway, then Linda's shift was over, and she had two days off. She went back to the hospital two days later, found Julie in a wheelchair about to be discharged. She was going home. And so she she was shocked, but pleasantly shocked. Anyway, Julie pulled her over and said, that night when you had everybody come, you were right, because I did die, but... I died, I went to heaven, and I asked them for more time because I realized I needed to do something for my girls because they're not even going to remember me. They're so young now. And she said she needed to go home and write letters to her girls for all of their you know, coming milestones, their 16th birthdays, mm-hmm. their weddings, having their first child, all of the milestones that they would experience as they grew up and then as adults. And so she went home and she wrote her letters and then she did die after that. It's a beautiful, touching story. It reminds you, you need to think about how do you want to be remembered? And that will put you in a different trajectory, the way you do things and so forth. Yeah. Not everybody has a chance to come back and do that one last thing either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. And the same chapter, saying goodbye This is a really wonderful story as well. Telegram by Kelly Miller. Yeah, so Telegram, in this story, Kelly Miller is asleep, and she has this dream. And in this dream, she's sitting around the dinner table with her whole family and her grandmother. And her grandmother looks really good healthier than she has in years. And Kelly says to her grandmother, you look so well. I'm so glad you're okay. And her grandmother says, yeah, I'm fine. And then Kelly's woken at 6 a.m. by a call from her father saying that her grandmother died. Um, Her grandmother was in her 90s. And so she said to her father, that's so strange because I had a dream about Graham last night. And she told her father about the dream, and he said that he had almost the exact same dream, sitting around the dinner table, his mother looking good, and her telling him that she was fine. Later that morning, Kelly called her brother to tell him about their grandmother. The first thing he said to her, before she even related to him, the dream that she had, was, that's so weird because I had a dream last night that we were all eating around the table and she looked good. She told me she was fine. So Kelly, her father, and her brother all had the same dream 
as if their grandmother on the way out was telling them, don't worry about me, I'm fine. It's just an amazing story, isn't it? One of the things I'm doing research about is frequencies. We all have frequencies. To me, that's that sending that wave, that frequency, the three loving people in her life picked up that frequency. Yeah, I know. I I think the same thing, that you can do that. Uh, Yeah, because we've gotten so many stories from people who got some kind of message on the way out from somebody um, and so it just makes you think that people do have that ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chapter two, Love That Doesn't Die. This is a wonderful story. The Beauty of Rubber Bands by Julie Ryan. So Julie's husband worked uh, at a job that somehow involved a lot of big, big fat rubber bands. And so these rubber bands would be would come off whatever they were around. She didn't say what they were around and would just be discarded. And so he started collecting them, and he would come home from work with pockets filled with these rubber bands and just leave them on the kitchen counter. And finally she said, you just can't have piles of rubber bands everywhere. <laughs> so he started putting them in little paper bags and storing them in the closet. So they always had these rubber bands. And then – He died just two years into their marriage when their daughter wasn't even a year old. And so when he died, she missed those rubber bands, even those annoying piles of rubber bands on the (laughs) counters. So about three months after her husband died, she found a big, thick rubber band, just like the kind he had always brought home. And it was just Mm -hmm. lying on her bathroom counter. And there was no reason for it to be there. So she just kind of laughed out loud, actually for the first time in a long time. And then a few weeks later, she found a rubber band hanging from the knob of the cabinet above her stove in the kitchen. And again, how did it get there? And then rubber bands started popping up in the most unusual places, like in a clothes hamper or on her mother's dining room table or on her desk at school when she came back from summer vacation on the deck of a cruise ship. And one time on a street in New York City, she was at a work conference and she was crossing a street in Times Square with a couple of her colleagues and there was this big fat rubber band lying on the street and she picked it up and they couldn't believe she picked it up from the dirty street, but she was so thrilled to see it. And then she tells us that many years later when her daughter was a teenager, they were walking down a path in a golf course, a beautiful path, and there was a rubber band lying at their feet in the middle of a golf course for no apparent reason. And she and her daughter were thrilled to see it because it was Julie's wedding day. She had finally found a new man, and she was marrying Mm -hmm. him that day. And she thought that finding that rubber band was a sign from her first husband. She picked it up. She tucked it in her bouquet, and it made her wedding even more beautiful and magical for her. It's beautiful. It's lovely. I chose that story besides that wonderful story in itself. It reminded me of what one of my moms told me years ago. It's like, if you just sit quietly, the answers are around you. You could kind of see things that remind you of something. And this rubber band story It's like in your face kind of thing in some ways. I mean, in a nice way that reminds you of something special. And I love it from that perspective. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, it was one of the stories chosen from many thousands. So, Mm -hmm. and clearly our editors loved it too, because they gave it to me as a possibility. Wonderful. Same chapter, love that doesn't die. And this is a great one. Grandpa's mushroom by Julia Guazava. So Julia, Mm -hmm. she would spend summers with her grandparents. They had a little country cottage. And then one year, her grandfather died in the winter. And so it was just Julia and her grandmother in the summer. And they really missed her grandfather. Um, One day, Julia's parents came to visit. And they were frying up potatoes and onions, but normally they would have fried them with mushrooms also. That was one of the family's favorite dishes. But 
her grandfather was the one who had always gone out and picked wild mushrooms. So her grandmother just didn't feel like going out and looking for mushrooms. Anyway, family left her grandmother in the kitchen frying up the onions and potatoes. And um, they went outside, and there was this rotten tree stump that was right next to her grandfather's strawberry patch. And her father suggested that they pull the stump out. But her grandmother said no, because the stump had sentimental value, because she and her husband had actually planted that tree when they were first married. So even though the tree had grown big and then died, and there was just this rotten old stump left, she didn't want them to remove the stump. So Julia's father said, okay, we'll leave the stump. Well, then it rained, and it rained for the next day. And finally, 24 hours later, it stopped raining. They went outside, and the stump looked different. And when they got close, they realized that the stump, in all those rotten places, was covered with mushrooms, wild mushrooms. And in fact, it was her grandfather's favorite kind. They're called honey mushrooms. So they picked the mushrooms, went inside, fried them up with onions and potatoes, had their had grandfather's <laughs> favorite dish, and they left that stump. And from then on, that stump always grew grandpa's favorite mushrooms. <laughs> I love the story. Again, it's a story that I resonate in the sense that in a different way, when my mom passed in Malaysia, it reminded me about my mom is that there are signals that if you pay attention and it's right there in front of me, and I've shared this story before on the air with you and with the listeners is when I had seen my mom's blouse moved. And to me, it's a sign and it's something that is just amazing that we can connect and that love that never dies for me. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's what happens with these stories. They're, these really weird things happen, and it really makes mm-hmm. you think. <laughs> and it definitely gives people that hope and comfort that they're looking for. For sure. Chapter 3, Finding Faith, The Garden's Embrace, by Carol Shinoda. So this story from Carol will make you happy also, because it's the mm-hmm. same idea. In Carol's case, Carol was blind, but she loved flower gardens because she could go out and she could smell them and she could have her husband describe the blossoms to her and she could touch those velvety blossoms. And, you know, there were all these great things to feel. Mm -hmm. And so when she and her husband first got married, her mother helped them set up a garden and she brought them a rose bush because she had always loved roses. And they they kept the rose bush alive, but they could not get it to bloom. And they even replanted it in different parts of the property, trying <laughs> to get you know more sun for it. Right. They watered it. They fertilized it. They talked to it. <laughs> Nothing happened for 25 years. They could not get that rose bush to bloom. Finally, one day, the rose bush made one flower. And Carol called her mother and said, you've got to come and see this, this single bloom. But her mother, who was 90 years old, said, oh, I wonder if that means I'm going to die now that it's bloomed, which was a pessimistic thing to say. Um, (laughs) But then she died. She did die. And then the following spring, that rose bush burst into full bloom. Hundreds, hundreds of glorious red flowers were on it. And Carol cried and just thought about her mother and thought this was her way of her mother saying hello. Love it. Love it. I chose that story not for me, but for my sister, because she grew up in the generation where we women don't cook. We don't do gardening. We don't do anything. Now that she's retired, she's picking up gardening and she's taking care of all, all of my mom's plants because my mom loves orchids in Malaysia and all the other flowers and so forth. Look who is out in the garden, my sister. And she's slowly but surely becoming my mom. And she loves to cook now, too, as well. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. But she's doing it because she wants to, not because society expects it of her. Right, yeah. She enjoys it now, and she can't wait to talk to me because we Skype with each other once a week, and she can't wait to 
kind of bring me up to date of all the various flowers that, oh, you remember mom used to do this? You remember mom used to do that? I'm doing this, 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 this. And she herself acknowledged the fact that she is becoming like my mom and she's laughing at herself. <laughs> That's really great. That's great. I'm, and it's so wonderful to have Skype so that she can actually show you what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. She can take it's, that it's phone amazing. out into the garden and show you. She can give you a tour. Right, and she did. So it's really kind of fun. Chapter four, Sign from a Birth, Unfaith by Camille Regalic. So Camille um, mm-hmm. volunteered at a church, and she was there on a Thursday one week, and she was coming in from the parking lot, and she had her arms full, and she saw this folded piece of white paper on a patch of ground, but you know, there was snow all over. This is in upstate New York. They had just plowed, and she couldn't understand how there could be this pristine piece of white paper lying there on the ground, you know, surrounded by piles of snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, she thought, well, it's litter. I better pick it up. So she picked it up, and the really weird thing about it was it was a W-2 form, but it was 15 years old. It was from 2003. And it was from a company she had never heard of out in Ohio. And here she was in New York State. But then she looked at the person's name on the W-2 form. And it was the name of a really good friend of hers who had died more than a year before. So she couldn't understand how this 15-year-old W-2 form was there, pristine, on top of you know the slush and dirt and disgustingness mm-hmm. of this recently plowed parking lot. Um, but anyway, she took the paper back into the church, and then she heard from a friend of hers. And it turned out that this friend had actually been to this doctor who, who had died, and it was his W-2 form. And she had been wondering about him recently and, you know, wondering – what happened to him after he died? Did he go to heaven? He had actually been engaged to one of her daughters, and the family had been very close to him for quite a long time. And there she was thinking about him and thinking about him, and it was the exact same time that Camille found this W-2 form that belonged to him from 15 years before. It was the strangest thing. I mean, I could understand if somebody like was throwing away a lot of old paperwork, you know, and that piece of paper fell out. But why a year after he died, did this W-2 form from Ohio show up in this parking lot state, New York? It was just very strange. So that's what that story was about. It was just one of those mysteries. It's a wonderful story. I resonate with the story in a way very personal to me because I came here in 1980 and during my toughest times in 2010 in Dallas, I drove up to the Dallas Market Center and in the parking lot where I drove up, I mean, this is a general parking lot. It's not like my parking space, so to speak. As I pull out, when I got out of my car, believe it or not, I saw a 25 cents US dollar coin. And the date on that coin is 1980. This was in 2010. I needed something to kind of remind me (laughs) Mm -hmm. to like, it starts all over again kind of thing. I hope that makes sense what I'm talking about. It's just something you just need. It's really, really, really weird. It's like, and then only that, I'm thinking, right? How in the world that a 30-year-old coin lasted this long in circulation. Of yeah, course, not it to could mention. have been sitting in a jar somewhere, you know, and not circulated, yeah. so it didn't get all worn out. Yeah, so it's just one of those things, unanswered questions, but it did something special for me because it's like all of a sudden it sort of brought me back into the zone. It's like, okay, you're studying all over again. Get going. That's good. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the point. These things, no matter how they happened, can really make a difference for you, these amazing coincidences. Mm -hmm. So true. Chapter five, Heavenly Reassurance, Life is for the Living by Nancy Gillian. So Nancy was going on this really big trip with her husband, and they were um, flying through Atlanta to um, get a connecting flight 
and they were actually going to South Africa with friends, you know, for a really major mm-hmm, vacation, mm-hmm. long planned. Um, the luggage got lost. You know, they weren't sure, should we even go? Because the luggage got lost. What are we going to do without luggage? And then they got a phone call that Nancy's mother died. And she was elderly, and it wasn't unexpected, but, you know, it happened just as they were about to leave the next day for their connecting flight to South Africa with friends. Everything was paid for. Their friends were expecting them, et cetera. And so Nancy didn't know what to do. And, you know, should she stay and go to the funeral for her very elderly mother who, you know, what it wasn't going to help mm-hmm. her mother anymore? Well, she had a dream. And what she she heard her mother's voice say, go, life is for the living. And the voice was so clear and strong. And it sounded like the mother from earlier years, not the very mm-hmm. ill woman who she just visited in the nursing home. And she just thought, this is what my mother would have wanted. She would have wanted me to keep going. She would have wanted me to go on the trip. And so she called her brother and said, we're going to go. It's what mom would have wanted. And her brother said, okay, do what you have to do. And then she called her children and her children said, that sounds just like grandma. You should definitely go on your trip. (laughs) So she and her husband decided they would indeed go on their trip, and then the phone rang again, and it was their luggage. Their lost luggage had finally arrived, and they had it now (laughs) to get on their connecting flight to go to South Africa. It's a wonderful story. It's about so much love. It's so reassuring. That's what I really like about that story. There's another one in the same chapter that is really a wonderful story as well, A Gift from My Mother by Mary McGrath. Yeah, so um, this story, Mary was staying in this pretty awful motel in an awful part of this town that was close to where the funeral was going to be for her mother. And so it was conveniently located, even though it was awful, and it was in like this bad neighborhood where the train tracks were and wild dogs roaming around and everything. But, you know, what mattered was convenience. And they were Mm -hmm. preparing for her mother's funeral. And, you know, there was just a whirlwind of tasks they had to do and emotions they had to deal with. And so Mary decided that she would go out from this yucky motel into this yucky neighborhood (laughs) and go for her normal morning walk just to get her head together. So she went out and then she saw a dog, but it wasn't a scary dog like some of the mangy dogs that she was seeing around there, you know, penned up. This was (laughs) a purebred basset hound. Although it didn't have a collar, it looked like it was otherwise well cared for. And the basset hound started trotting along beside her like like he was her dog. And they always (laughs) went for a walk together in the morning. But he had a really bad limp on one side, his left side, which was interesting because her mom had the exact same limp on her left side. And the dog just proceeded as if he didn't have a limp, just as her mother had always ignored her limp and just did everything (laughs) anyway. So Mary walked through the neighborhood with this dog, and the dog was really smart when they got to train tracks. He knew to stop and wait for the train to go by, and he knew not to walk out into a major intersection because she had no way of holding him back because there was no leash, there was no collar. Um, At one point, all these kind of feral dogs came out and surrounded (laughs) them, and Mary was terrified. But her basset hound friend just calmly sat there and looked like he was somehow communicating with those wild dogs (laughs) to leave them alone. And then a man called away the, the wild dogs, and so they were able to proceed. Anyway, that dog stayed with her until she was almost back to her motel, And she kept saying to the dog, like, go to your home. You don't belong here. I know you come from a nice home. Go back to where you're supposed to go to. But he wouldn't leave until she was, you know, half a block from her motel. And then finally, as she walked towards the motel, she turned around to see where he was, and he was just gone. And so she felt like it was a gift from her mother. Beautiful. I want to remind the listeners, too, because I know we're discussing some heavy stories, but they're from the heart. 
And actually, all these stories here, even though it kind of sound heavy, these are stories of celebration that it's just something beautiful and is happy that things happen in these individuals' lives that really sort of during the pivotal moment put them in the right directions and basically a smile on their face. You know, we've done two prior books about mm-hmm. messages from heaven and signs from beyond, etc. And the mm-hmm. books sold extraordinarily well because there, re- there really is a demand out there yeah. for this kind of chicken soup for the soul book because people want this reassurance and right. comfort and hope. So it is heavy. You're right because you're reading about a lot of people who have suffered losses. Mm-hmm. But if you are somebody who has suffered a loss this kind of story can be extremely helpful to you. And maybe you have to read it in small doses, which is what's great about A Chicken Soup for the Soul book because you have these 101 short stories and you can, you know, you can read one a day. You can just pick it up, read for five minutes, complete a story, put it down. When you're ready, pick it up again, read another story. But I think that the people who have lost somebody special to them, they are in the mood for reading this mm-hmm. kind of story. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing how well these books have done for us in the past. And that's why we thought since it had been, oh, my gosh, at least six years, I think, since we put out the last one on this topic, we were definitely overdue to <laughs> give everybody a new volume of these stories. Beautiful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about some amazing true stories of faith, hope, and love from their latest Chicken Soup for the Soul, Messages from Heaven, and Other Miracles. It is a collection of 101 stories of angels, answered prayers, and love, that doesn't die. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 6, Answered Prayers, A Promise Fulfilled by Connie Cassiwara. This is a really wonderful story. Yeah, so Connie Pullen had a childhood friend who was very dear to her. Her name was Nancy. And when Connie learned that Nancy had terminal pancreatic cancer, she rushed to her side and they spent a couple of weeks together before her friend died. And Nancy had said to Connie, I'll somehow send you a sign that I'm okay. So Connie was at her funeral, and Connie got up and spoke. And then as she was walking back to her pew in the back of the church, she kind of whispered, Nancy, you know, I really need a hug from you. And then she sat down in her pew, and then the mass uh, finished, and then the priest who you know came walking down the aisle with the casket, he went to the side of the church, back down the aisle to where Connie was sitting, you know, in a, in a seat, you know, on a pew on the outside on the edge. There was no reason for the priest to go and find her. And he came up to her and he said, he gave her a big hug and he said, that's from Nancy. And Connie was just astounded. Uh, So she really felt that it was just such a strange coincidence that this priest came over, gave her a hug, and then whispered, this is from Nancy. Isn't that amazing? I mean, things like you don't expect. I mean, you pray for it, obviously. (laughs) But you just never expect for something unique and special and almost supernatural-like that happens. Yeah, Yeah, these little moments of comfort do come along. In the next chapter, Finding Peace, we have a story Mm -hmm. from Amanda Mattox. And Amanda lost her father um, when she was just a kid. Um, And she hadn't seen her father as much as she would have liked because her parents had been divorced when Amanda was just a baby. But still, when she did see her father, he was terrific. And he knew how much she loved frogs. And so he would always... (laughs) give her little gifts that were frog-related, you know, a seashell Mm -hmm. with a frog painted on it or a necklace with a frog charm, you know, whatever was appropriate for a little girl. And when she was 12 years old, she went to visit her father's grave. Um, He had died a year before. 
And she was kind of scared to be going to his grave. This was a really big deal for a 12-year-old girl. But when she got to his stone, what was sitting on it but a tiny green frog right (laughs) by her father's name. And the frog wasn't afraid of her. He just sat there and let her you know, look at him and then pick mm-hmm. him up and hold him. And he just passively sat there. And so she picked up this frog and she cried. And then she put the frog down. And then he hopped away as if his job was done. And she mm-hmm. was completely at peace as if her father had given her his final frog gift. And she whispered at his grave, thanks, Dad. It's a beautiful story. Again, it reminds me about the blouse that my mom moved on her armoire that sort of connect with me at that level, so to speak. So that's just wonderful. Chapter eight, Heavenly Guidance, Love Taps by Ferna Mills. So in this story, Ferna tells us that when she was a girl, she would have trouble getting up on time to go to school. And originally her mother would, you know, wake her up with her voice, Mm -hmm. you know, say, get up. But then Ferna (laughs) would fall back asleep and then her mother, you know, would say, get up, you got to go. And then Ferna would wake up in a panic because she was late. So her mother realized that being woken by her voice was panicking Ferna. So she switched how she woke her to just giving her a tap with two fingers, just tap, tap on her hand. And that gentle double tap with two fingers on her hand would wake her up in a way that didn't panic her about getting to school on time. So... Then life went on. Fern is an adult. She has a daughter. Um, Her mother becomes a widow, and her mother moves in with her. And her mother became best friends with Ferna's teenage daughter. And Mm -hmm. when Ferna was at work, her mom and her daughter would hang out together in the afternoon. And then her mother died. And her daughter was just inconsolable and finally said, Mom, can I please have Grandma's room? I, I want to make that my bedroom now. Now, it was at the other end of the house from where Ferna's mm-hmm. bedroom was. And she didn't really like the idea of having her daughter way at the other end of the house. But on the other hand, she thought that her daughter really wanted to be in her grandmother's room. So she said yes. And then one night, several months later, Ferna was woken up at 3.30 in the morning by this double tap on her hand. And she woke up and she expected to see her mother there because this was her mother's tap on her hand. And then she realized, no, it can't be my mother and it's 3.30 in the morning. So she tried to go back to sleep and she dozed off and then it happened again. And she looked at the clock and it was 3.43, so 13 minutes had passed So then she thought, I better get up. I don't understand what's going on. She was still half expecting to see her mother. (laughs) She started wandering through the house, and she went to check on her daughter. She found her daughter on the bathroom floor, vomiting and incredibly ill. And, you know, she helped her daughter, and, Mm -hmm. you know, she got her back in bed. And her daughter said, how did you know to come and find me? And Ferna told her what had happened. And it turned out her daughter had first gotten up to vomit at 3.30 in the morning. And she was still there, you know, 15 minutes later Mm -hmm. when Ferna went to that side of the house to find her. So the first tap had occurred when her daughter first needed her. Isn't that amazing when you talk about strange things and supernatural assistance? (laughs) It's just amazing. Now, you could explain it, and you could say, well, she somehow heard something across the house, and then she thought, I should wake up, and then she associated the thought, I should wake up with her mother's double tap, and so then Mm -hmm. she dreamt that her mother's double tap was occurring on her hand. (laughs) You know, you can can explain it, but explain it away, or you can choose not to explain it away, because it it was a really interesting, weird event. (laughs) So we pass it on for readers to decide how they want to interpret it. That's right. That brings me to chapter nine, Angels Among Us. The title of the story is just Listen by Sheila Quellis. Yeah, Sheila has had some unbelievable experiences. We first (laughs) met her when she had this experience where she, I won't get into the whole story, but she went to St. Thomas (laughs) with her friend Kathy 
and was seated in a restaurant next to her birth, her biological sister, and Sheila didn't know she was adopted, but through the course of a conversation with the stranger seated next to her in a restaurant, discovered that she had been uh, put up for adoption by her sister's family. And, I mean, it was just incredible. Um, So Sheila has really weird experiences. And Sheila's friend Kathy is often along with her for these experiences, and they actually are housemates. So the story in this book is that Kathy, Sheila's housemate, um, who's a retired police officer, was driving them to work one morning, as usual, because they work together. And they came up to an intersection. Now, the joke was that because Kathy was a retired police officer, she always knew the sequence of the lights, and she would sometimes go before the light even turned green (laughs) because she knew exactly how every light worked on their route. But this Mm -hmm. morning, instead of, you know, going a little ahead of the light turning green, Kathy just sat there and sat there and sat there and refused to move. And somebody behind them started honking. And this was so unlike Kathy, you know, who was always pushing that accelerator before she even should. (laughs) And as this car behind them is honking at them, this huge truck comes barreling through the red light. And if they had gone on their green light, they would have been hit by this truck that was barreling through the red light, and they would have been hit and maybe killed. And Sheila said to Kathy, what was that? Why didn't you go? And Kathy just said that there was a voice that told her to wait, not to move. And she was so glad that she listened. And we get stories like that all the time from people who are warned to move in their cars, and then they avoid an accident. So I guess the only lesson is if you have a bad feeling, don't go at the intersection, even if people are honking at you. It's true. So true. I can relate to that because I'm one of those people that they say have a heavy foot. But when I get to the intersection, for some reason, you're right. I kind of tune in and just sort of get the feel of how things are. And hold and behold, there are people that just tend to run the traffic light. There are many times that I just kind of like, okay, this is interesting that this guy really just punched it and I could have been hit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I was hit by a woman once and then I was reading the police blotter a couple of years later and I saw mm-hmm. that she was pulled over for running a red light. I thought, yep, <laughs> I, I believe that because she put me in the hospital when she hit me. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are people who are like that. Yeah, yeah, so true. Well, Chapter 10, I know you love this. How did that happen? And the first story in this chapter is A Taste of Heaven by Miriam Van Scott. Yeah, so um, Miriam Van Scott was out with her friend Susan. They were running errands, and they decided to stop for ice cream. And there was this place that had a gazillion choices, you know, like dozens of different flavors. And you could get sundaes and banana splits and milkshakes and ice cream sodas and every possible way of eating ice cream. So they each chose some ice cream and they sat there and they ate it. And then Susan's mother called and asked if they would stop by her house. And so Miriam said to her friend, why don't we get some ice cream for your mom? So they got back in the line and they didn't know what to get her mom, because Susan said her mom liked every flavor they had there. And then they heard this other woman there talking about how a chocolate milkshake would be just perfect. And so they said, all right, we'll get her a chocolate milkshake. We'll listen to that other woman. Well, then they got the chocolate milkshake, and then they saw a woman in the parking lot, and they just saw her for a moment, but she looked exactly like Susan's sister, Linda, who had died four years earlier, and it just looked like her. It just looked exactly like her. And then they proceeded to drive towards Susan's mother's house, and they brought her the chocolate milkshake. And their mother opened the door and said, "I was having the strangest dream. Your sister Linda was here, and we were having chocolate milkshakes." So it's just one of those really weird, eerie coincidences. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. (laughs) Can you walk us through the process for someone who would like to contribute their stories to Chicken Soup? 
Yeah, you go to our website, chickensoup.com, and if you scroll down to the bottom of the home page, you'll see you can click on something that says Submit Your Story. If you go to that part of our website, you'll find three things. You'll find our writing guidelines where we tell you what makes for a good chicken soup for the soul story, what we're looking for. You'll find a list of the book topics that we're collecting stories for right now, and you can always check back as we post new book topics because every couple of months we'll post new topics. And then there's another thing you can click on, which is the form that you fill out to submit your story. You give all your information, and then there's this tiny little box there that will actually take your entire story into it. So you write your story in Word, you copy and paste it right into that little box, and that goes to us. And then at some point, maybe months later, maybe weeks later, maybe a year later, you you never know, depends (laughs) on the timing of the book, Our team of editors will read your story because every single submission is read. Everybody has a chance to get into our books. That's fantastic. What can we expect from Chicken Soup in the coming months? Oh, my goodness. We have a bunch of great books coming out. We have a book coming out for Mother's Day called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mom Knows Best which is a great gift to to give to your mom to admit that, yes, she was right. She'll be very happy. We also have a book coming out this spring called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Grandparents, which is a lot of really wonderful stories about grandmothers and grandfathers, and a lot of the stories are written by the grandparents, and a lot of the stories are written by the adult grandchildren talking about their grandparents. But it's a really fun book. I'm just finishing up working on it now, and I love the variety in it. And there's, you know, stories about modern grandparenting, you know, keeping up with the grandchildren via the Internet and all those different blended families and how kids could have, you know, eight different grandmothers and grandfathers now and how that all works. So it's it's very relevant to today's process of being a grandparent and then we have two books coming out um, where we're going to use royalties to support American Humane. One is called Life Lessons from the Dog, and one is called Life Lessons from the Cat. So those are our, our next several books that will be coming out this spring. Fantastic. What recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners to kick off 2019? Well, I guess there's some great um, lessons in our messages from heaven and other miracles book. And Mm -hmm. the first lesson would be go ahead and expect the impossible. And the second would be look for those special signs that only you would understand, you know, keep your eyes open. And then another would be ask for the reassurance that you need. Like remember Connie Pullen who said, Nancy, I really need a hug. And then she got one. Another lesson is pay attention to your dreams because your dreams can be so instructive They really can help you with a lot of your life decisions. And then finally, accept advice, even from surprising sources, because you never know where that next epiphany can come from and where those next wise words are going to come from. So true. That's very, very true. Amy, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks. Tuesday morning, January 22nd, my guest will be Gail Forrest. She is an author, entrepreneur, humorist, dating expert, and blogger. Gail and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and her recently released book, Gone Puzzle, a humorous look at middle-aged menopause experienced by her and other menopausal women. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. A very happy new year to you and everyone at Chicken Soup. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.